This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, thank you for joining us for another exciting episode of the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast, helping take your leadership to the next level. Richard, it's good to see you. Well, thanks, Sam. Good to see you, too. It's a series that we've started uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know we, we love to look at leaders throughout history. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, I think that's been one of the, one of the great things that we've done in this podcast, and we get a lot of feedback on it, and it's certainly one of our favorite parts. And yeah. you're a biography uh, junkie. Okay. We we did this not too long ago on the life of Moses, and uh, what we're calling this series is uh, leaders in the Bible. Yeah. And so we thought we would why not look at those leaders throughout history that appear in the Bible. Uh, we can certainly learn a lot, and this week we're looking at the life of Joshua. Yeah. Now, if you if you grew up in uh, church or if you went to Sunday school or anything like that, you you know he fought the battle of Jericho. Yeah, yeah. The songs about that. Yeah, they're. <laughs> <laughs> I won't classic, sing them because <laughs> classic tunes. Um, so why don't you tell us why are we looking at the life of Joshua and maybe some of what he did to to put him in this category of, of leaders in the Bible. Yeah. Joshua is one of those, uh, famous leaders in the Bible. Uh, and, uh, I think certainly worthy of our study, especially after looking at Moses first, uh, when, when you get to the end of Deuteronomy, it basically says there's never been anybody like Moses, uh, that, that talked to God and did the kind of miracles that he did and uh, brought the law from uh, the top of Mount Sinai and so on. And right. basically Moses is just sets the whole foundation for the people of Israel. And when he, of course, doesn't even uh, die a normal death, he goes up onto the mountain and God buries him in uh, quite a, a fantastic way. The way he was born, uh, put in a, as a baby in bulrushes in a little... Uh, water boat <laughs> bed, <laughs> right? And uh, the way he dies, it's all quite uh, spectacular. Well, it's quite legendary, you know. Like yeah. he's got that legend status. I feel yeah. like yeah, just from beginning to end, it's just it's different than what's normal. But so, how do you how do you follow a guy like that? How do you how do you serve as an associate to the greatest man of God, perhaps <laughs> in the entire Old Testament? Yeah. And, uh, and when he dies and people are assuming it's sort of like Elvis, uh, they assume he died. He, the last they saw him, he was going up the top of a mountain. No one actually saw him. He was never seen again. Uh, right. And so, uh, Joshua, uh, starts serving Moses when he's a young man. Uh, and then basically has to wait 40 years for 40 years while they're wandering in the wilderness. He's an associate, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being an associate. I've one of the issues that comes out from Joshua is, do you assume that if you're faithful as an associate, a number two guy, that eventually God's going to make you a number one person? Uh, Joshua had to wait 40 years uh, at being number two, and ultimately he is number one. But I would say it's not inevitable. Some people right. just are not wired or assigned or gifted, equipped to be a number one person. And I've known some people that actually made a mistake. They were very good at being a number two person. Uh, and so they assumed they'd put in their time and paid their dues. And now it's time to go ahead and be number one. Yeah. And then they failed miserably. They got beyond themselves. Uh, kind of the, 
uh, Peter principle. They they kept being promoted until they got promoted right beyond their skill set. Right. And then they failed. And so uh, with Joshua, he seems very content to be number two. And if Moses hadn't messed up near the end of his life, we assume Moses would have taken the Israelites into Canaan and led the armies. Joshua would have probably been the the, uh, the 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 general that was on the battlefield, uh, right. Moses would have been praying and interceding, but but he would have had someone above him. Uh, but because of Moses basically sinning, all of a sudden Joshua, now he's in charge, and uh, and so he he follows um, uh, the greatest man of God perhaps in the Old Testament, and interestingly he's asked to do something that the greatest man in the Old Testament failed to do. Hmm. Uh, Moses was unable it, to get those Israelites into Canaan. He got them out of Egypt. He got them halfway. Right. And a lot of people say that's kind of what a lot of Christians are like. They believe God enough to get out of Egypt. They basically believe God enough to get saved, but they don't ever believe God enough to be to get where God saved them for, uh, hmm. to become like Christ, uh, to be victorious in their living. Uh, they're, they're not... You know, they're Christians now, but they spend most of their life in a in a spiritual wilderness because they don't trust God enough to uh, get to where He's trying to take them all yeah, their they, life. They stagnate and there's no growth. And so yeah, so they wander around in a wilderness the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God would say, "I didn't know I didn't deliver you out of Egypt just to have you squander your only life in a wilderness." And so, but that's what happens to most of Joshua's uh, peers. And so, how would you like to? not only follow the greatest man of God, uh, in, in history, but then be asked to do something that even that great man of God failed to do. And so, uh, Joshua, of course, in in Moses day, he's got these complainers, these fearful ex-slaves that whine and worry and fret every time there's a lack of water or lack of food or an enemy city. They're, they're complaining and overcome with fear. And, uh, it drove Moses crazy. You know, at times Moses just had had enough with the constant complaining and, and worrying and fretting. Uh, and, but I mean, that was mostly trying to figure out where to get water. It was, it was where to, uh, get something to eat. Um, but now Joshua has to take those same ex-slaves and conquer walled cities and fight against yeah. coalitions of five kings or more and five different armies combined against them. And so uh, wandering around in land that is is relatively unfamiliar to them uh, as invaders, trying to sustain a, a, a whole invasion, invasion force where you've got all the women and children as well, you have to protect as well as feeding and provisioning the, this army living off the land, trying to conquer all of Canaan. Yeah. So tremendous feat, uh, tremendous undertaking for Joshua. And yet, uh, he is successful, conquers Canaan, at least conquers all the main cities and the main uh, fortresses. Um, and it takes about five years to do that. So for five years, Joshua is basically fighting nonstop, uh, just one invasion, sweep south and north and uh, dealing with all kinds of different uh, cities and walls and uh, enemies and coalitions against him. And, um, and, and yet what's interesting as far as 
Joshua's uh, success is that Moses, it seems like almost every chapter uh, in the in the Bible during this period, somebody's complaining against Moses. <laughs> Someone is rebelling or critiquing or second guessing. Uh, it's just nonstop. And of course, that generation has died out. But when Joshua begins, uh, the first things that happen is those people begin complaining as well. And but what's interesting is that for the most part, once they get going, once they enter into Canaan, you really don't hear of a lot of complaining, and certainly no complaints directly aimed at Joshua. Uh, yeah. You know, I and I and I've often wondered why that was. I, I think partly you'd have to say, well, it's the next generation. The uh, they're they're one generation removed from being slaves in Egypt now. But uh, I also wonder about the fact that Joshua was a, a lieutenant for a long time. Uh, you know, Moses always had difficulty working with uh, assistants. Yeah. He had a few, but you remember his father-in-law Jethro had to get after him and say, look, you, you judge people from morning until night and you do it all yourself and you've got these capable people that could be doing a lot of this for you. Why aren't you delegating? basically is what he was asked. He just wasn't really good at that. He wasn't good at delegating work and, and, and so on. But Joshua, on the other hand, was a lieutenant for 40 years. He knew what it was like to be a number two person. He knew what yeah. number two people needed to be told and how they needed to be encouraged and so on. And so when he finally becomes the number one person, he, he doesn't forget what it's like to be on the other side of the boardroom table. And, uh, and so you never see his lieutenants ever second-guessing mm. him, critiquing him. Nobody ever challenges him and says, we could do a better job than you. Uh, Joshua, that's just one area that you just don't see that he struggles with. You know, do you think in a, in a broad sense, could it also be that with Joshua there was a real vision for what's, what's coming next? Like, okay, we're conquering this city. we got to go to this city and this city. Um Whereas with, with Moses, it was more about getting out of Egypt and then you're, you're in the desert and it, I mean, they were going to the promised land, but it seems like maybe there was a bit more direction with, yeah. well, I, mean, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to overthink well, it, but I, I think you might just say with Joshua, he kept it simple. You know, jo yeah. Moses writes all the law, like he's, he's establishing a tabernacle, he's establishing a whole system of worship. He's got a, he's doing a lot of different things. Yeah. And Joshua basically just goes, like you said, city by city, battle by battle. But, uh, you know, Moses would have been uh, more of the, the preacher, the teacher, even though he didn't think he was a good speaker. Uh, right. He uh, is the one who's delivering all the law and so on, and the, he's the theologian. Jo Joshua, I think he stays within his lane. You know, he just he knows what he's good at. He knows what he needs to get done. Yeah. And uh, he just doesn't veer off of that track. And it's amazing, you know, basically his primary leadership goes for about five years, conquering Canaan. And um, he does that well. And when he's finished, uh, they've got the land and now they can parcel it all out. Uh, and Joshua just doesn't get distracted. Hmm. And, you know, it just makes me think what all can be done with anybody who just for five years stays focused on what God wants them to do. Yeah, uh, you can accomplish an awful lot of things. It may not be spectacular. Uh, you may not give uh, 
you know, spellbinding speeches or write best-selling books, but, uh, but you'll look back and you'll realize, boy, if you just stay focused with what God gave you to do, it's amazing what all can be accomplished. Twice a year, Black Community Ministries hosts a spiritual leadership coaching workshop in the Atlanta area. The focus of this workshop is learning how to ask the right questions to help move people onto God's agenda. The next workshop is April 20th to 22nd, and registration is open now. The early bird rate is available until March 6th, and space is limited. To find out more and to register, visit blackabeecoaching.org. Links will be in the show notes. If you like what we're doing and would like to support our work, please consider making a donation. Even a little bit will go a long way toward keeping this podcast going for the months and years to come. To support this podcast, click on the link in the show notes. We are truly grateful for our wonderful community of listeners. Of course, Joshua has his moments. Uh, he, um, at one point, I guess one of his, I mean, he, he begins by uh, God parting the Jordan River so they can all cross. Uh, and And a lot of, most of the time, even Bible characters, most of the time they're not encountering a miracle. Uh, we sometimes think, well, yeah, in the Bible times, they had a miracle every day. Yeah, left you know? and right. Uh, that's not necessarily so, but but God is strategic about that, and oftentimes God begins with a miracle. Hmm. Uh, for instance, Saul of Tarsus has a blinding light uh, blind him on his way to Damascus, but uh, but then after that, God never speaks to him that way again. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he speaks that way to get his attention initially. And with Joshua, I think sometimes God may do some significant things in our life early on just to convince us and just settle the fact, I can trust God. Mm. Uh, he's awesome. He's God. And I better do what he says. Uh, but then a lot of times it's just putting on your sword and your shield and going into battle. Yeah. Uh, there's not always a divine intervention. There is one that's mo- most famous where... Uh, they're actually, God uh, makes the sun stand still for a couple extra hours while they're mopping up, uh, the enemy. Uh, and Josh was going to, that only happened once. It's not like it always happened. Yeah. Uh, you don't ever start presuming on the miracles of God that, uh, those are usually the exception and not yeah. the norm. Yeah. They are the exception. God doesn't want us necessarily to rely upon miracles all the time. Uh, they're great when they happen. And if you really need them to, uh, they just may well happen. But, uh, but, uh, sometimes we're, we, we are always tempted to want God to miraculously do what he's calling us to do with our own sweat of our brow. Uh, yeah. uh miracles are, are never necessarily meant to be shortcuts to our labor. And so Joshua has a few that are quite spectacular, but for the most part, he just day in and day out just works hard and does the right thing. And, uh, and I think it's something else that we, well, two things just to say, as far as his contribution as well, one is that he's leading people who, who grew up as slaves. Uh, a lot of these people would would have been born in Egypt. Right. Uh, they would have been younger, uh, maybe teenagers or younger, uh, when they escaped and so they, they don't end up being punished in the wilderness like their parents. But uh, they would have been probably born in slavery, uh, born certainly to slave parents. And one of the, the challenges that Moses has, and Joshua to a lesser extent, is when, when someone, all they've ever known is slavery, I mean, generation after generation, uh, m- maybe hundreds of years of being a slave, it gets so into your psyche, into mm-hmm. your genes, that 
you, there's just certain mindsets that are really hard to get out. So you, it's been said, Moses got the children of Israel out of Egypt, but he had a really hard time getting Egypt out of the children of Israel. Hmm. They, they, they didn't live there anymore. They weren't technically in bondage, but mentally, psychologically. Yeah, they frequently want to return. Yeah, and they, because now they have to stop living like slaves. Uh, now they've got to make choices for themselves. Right. Uh, and you would think, well, of course, who wants to be a slave? But slaves don't have to make responsible decisions. Slaves don't have to take steps of faith. Hmm. Slaves just do what they're told. Slaves just know that the food will be provided for them. They don't have to uh, know God's will. They just have to do the next thing they're told. Uh, they, they don't have to ever rise up and become men and women of God. They, uh, no one expects anything from them anyway. Uh, and uh, the, the amazing thing with Joshua is he transforms these slaves, that, that's all they've ever known, into to being conquerors, into being victorious, uh, into being uh, farmers that are going to take over a whole territory. Uh, and, uh, and, and that always encourages me because I know people to this day, in our day, that can't seem to get free from their past. Hmm. Uh, maybe they had an abusive, angry father and uh, it was horrible, but now they're angry people. Uh, or maybe they, uh, maybe their spouse was unfaithful to them and divorced them, and uh, now they're so wounded and hurt that they can't get past that. They they seem destined to spend the rest of their life as a wounded and hurt person, hmm. uh, mourning and grieving and uh, unable to establish a healthy relationship. And you look and say, but the power of God. It, 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 it I don't want to minimize the suffering that you've experienced in your past. But the message of the Bible is that that doesn't have to define you. Your past doesn't have to define you. Right. Where you've come from is not the defining part of your life. It's where you're going. It's where what God's going to do in your life that really matters. And so Moses always struggles with these people that keep tending to act like slaves. Uh, they don't want to step up and become men of God and great mighty men of valor. Now they, they want to complain and whine just like, I mean, that's, because what, what, what would you do when you were a slave? It's about all you had. Your only recourse was, let's whine a lot. You know, right. we, We're not going to overthrow the Egyptians. We're not going to escape slavery. So at least we can whine about it. <laughs> we can <laughs> complain. We can grumble under our breath so we're not heard um, and get in trouble. And so that's how they cope with stuff. Well, if you don't like your life, just grumble and complain a lot. Uh, and now Joshua is saying, no, if you don't like your life, put your sword on. Let's go into battle and yeah. let's conquer that hill and take over that fortress and and we'll, we'll settle the land uh, and your life can be better. And so he he's able to break that cycle for the most part uh, for the for the Israelites and gives us hope even to this very day to say um, complaining about your life will never make anything better. Uh following Joshua into battle and saying, so what's it going to take for me to have a better life? Uh, God always has an answer for that. Uh, and so that's certainly one. And, and then the other one that I think is also interesting is that uh, Joshua, for five years, basically the Israelites are roaming around the countryside, constantly fighting one invasion force or attacking force after another. Um, and to keep a coalition together for five years, these people just want to settle down, you know? So if you're walking through 
uh, some of those valleys and you see all these grapes and vineyards and farm yards and you think, hey, this could be ours. Right. <laughs> Why are we still fighting? Why, what? Hey, you we, you guys, there's lots of soldiers left. I think I'm going to peel off and just start uh, get my homestead going here. Why, why take five more years? You never hear that. You never hear the Israelites uh, t- talking about that. Uh, he keeps them together for five years, and, and and a couple of times he has to say to the people, "Hey, some of you, you already have, uh, you're already where your land is going to be. Like the tribe of Reuben is going to be settling on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Well, they've got that land now. But but Joshua will say, "Yeah, but you got to come west of the Jordan and help your brothers, and get their land too. You can't settle into your land until we all have our land." And so. Um, he manages to do that, which yeah, uh, if you've ever, have you ever done, if you ever tried to lead people where once some of the people basically can see their inheritance, their land, and, and then tell these people who've longed all their life to be farmers, we're going to have to wait five years, even though that land right over there is probably going to go to you. Uh, but you can't start on it until you've helped your brothers. You know, I, I it, this makes me think of maybe the, the modern day equivalent would be, if if you're leading uh, a diverse workforce and you've got, you know, some of your chief people nearing retirement, you know, you know, a year, maybe two years down the road, they're going to retire. But you're under a big, you know, growth project or you're trying to get them to to really put in the work. The younger guys, they know that they're going to reap a big reward and like this is something big that they're building. But. Uh, you know, I would think that those who are close to retirement, the mentality starts to set in that like, well, you know what, like doesn't really matter because I'm not going to be here yeah. to, to see this thing through anyways. Yeah. Well, and I think even just the re- way we reward performance, if you just give everybody a year end bonus based on their own performance, then everybody's kind of selfish. It's all about, well, I just, I'm just doing this for what I get for it. Right. But building a team that will also make sacrifices to help the whole team be successful, even if there's not a direct payback to them, that's great leadership where people now are stepping up and helping one another, uh, even if there's not a direct benefit to them. And that's basically what Joshua does. He, he, He raises people up to not be selfish, not to constantly be asking, well, what's in it for me? Right. Uh, but to say it's for us. Uh, and if we, uh, are successful, then I'm successful too. And so, uh, very high level of leadership under a tremendous amount of stress. Uh, and I mean, constant warfare, uh, by entrenched enemies mm-hmm. who, are, who can retreat back behind walled cities and, uh, who know the lay of the land could, could be ambushing them over and over again. Uh, and yet you don't, you don't see a lot of rebellion and complaining and uh, revolts to his leadership. Uh, God promised to raise him up and uh, and help him. In fact, w- uh, what what God basically promises Joshua in Joshua chapter one, He says, uh, "Don't be afraid, because I'll be with you." And basically, J- God says, "And everybody will know I'm with you because you'll always win." Hmm. Everybody knew that God was with Moses because his face glowed every time Moses talked to God. His his face would glow afterward, but that that never happened to Joshua. But uh, but the way you knew God was with Joshua was every time he went into battle, he, God always gave him the victory. Yeah. And, uh, and there's always evidence. There's always signs that God is with someone, whether you're a business person, a parent, a pastor, and Joshua's 
evidence was he was always victorious in battle. Hmm. Well, maybe just in the last few minutes here before we uh, before we wrap up, you know, Joshua obviously accomplished quite a lot, but uh, are there any areas in his life, any anything that you see in his life as you've studied uh, him extensively? That, uh, that we should be aware of, maybe the, some applications to our own life, some some pitfalls to avoid, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, it's Obviously, he wasn't perfect, so. Right, he, uh, although he's one of those Pretty people close. that, yeah, some that, at least the Bible doesn't necessarily spell out a lot of glaring mistakes, but it is interesting in, in Joshua 1, when when God now basically says to Joshua, you're it, you're st- it's your turn, uh, Moses is gone. Now Joshua's going to be you that uh, leads the people into to Canaan. In the in chapter one, Joshua, three times God says, uh, "Be strong and courageous, Joshua." Uh, and 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 I think it's pretty safe to interpret if God has to tell somebody three times, "Don't be afraid." Uh, odds are good He's telling them that because He is afraid. There, yeah. uh, he's He's now. After 40 years, and, and I've seen this a lot. I've seen people that just dreamed of of getting a certain position, uh, starting their own company, uh, being a pastor of a church, a senior pastor, whatever else. And you may have dreamed about that for years, but then the day comes, here I am. The, now it's me. It's up to me. And everything changes. And even though you may have longed for that day, it's still terrifying. And yeah. so God had to say to Joshua, don't be afraid. And uh, and so what's interesting to me is that when you look at all the Bible characters uh, that we know of throughout the Bible, few uh, seem any more confident and tough than Joshua. He's just a, he's a general, a, a victorious conqueror, and yet he may well have been someone that battled fear most of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, just like Moses is this great uh, speaker and teacher, and yet he's telling God, but I can't speak, I can't lead. Isn't it interesting that in areas of our weakness, sometimes God does some of His greatest work? Absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, maybe one last thing with Joshua is, uh, you know, he 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 messes up once where um, where where the Gibeonites come to him and say, uh, "Hey, we're, we've come from far away, and um, and we want to have a peace treaty with you." And of course, they they haven't come from far away; they've deceived Joshua. They actually live quite nearby, and they're they're on the list of people to be destroyed. Uh, but uh, interestingly, whereas Joshua typically always sought the Lord and sought guidance, uh, perhaps because they'd had a lot of success, uh, this one time it seems as if it goes to Joshua's head just a little bit. And I don't mean to say that he becomes prideful as much as he just starts to assume that you know, in a busy day, there's just lots of decisions to make, lots of meetings to go into. And okay, here's another meeting with these Gibeonite ambassadors from someplace far away. Well, I'll just handle that and move on to the next thing. And he he doesn't ask God. Uh, God would have told him, these people are lying to you. They're deceiving you. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't check with God. And hmm. And I think uh, when you're a victorious uh, general, when you have a track record of success, of course you become vulnerable and you begin to assume, well, I know how to do this. I don't need to be praying about every little meeting I have. Like, you know, if we're going to go into battle, I understand praying, but I'm just having a meeting with a couple of dignitaries uh, from far away. I mean, do I have to pray about that? 
Of course, those are those moments when you become vulnerable and you have to live with the consequences mm-hmm. ever since. And, uh, and so Joshua does, on one occasion, clearly uh, try to do something in his own strength and ability and very quickly discovers, I'm not as smart as God. I don't, <laughs> I don't know things like yeah. God knows. Uh, and I may have thought I could handle that without God, but I realized, no, even in meetings, uh, I, I need God. And so as a leader, you may be in meetings every day you may think, I know how to run a meeting. I know how to make a sales call. I know how to do these things. I know how to discipline my child. Uh, But I would say, well, go to God and don't assume that there are certain things that you're perfectly capable of doing without God's guidance and strength and direction. Uh, Because those will be the moments that you're vulnerable to some of your biggest mistakes. Right. And, uh, and so even Joshua does that. It's something that God, of course, rectifies. It's not a, a lethal mistake for him. Uh, it's just a moment of carelessness. And I just kind of look at that as here's just a busy administrator with a lot of stuff to do and just didn't think he had the time to stop and pray before going into his next meeting. And, uh, and that cost him and it cost the Israelites. Uh, and so lots to learn from Joshua. Yeah, we, you know, with any of these uh, biblical leader profiles, you know, I think we can, we could spend multiple podcasts and, yeah. and many hours, but yeah. luckily you have actually put in a lot more hours I have. on, on yeah. the leader of Joshua. Why don't so, you tell us about well, this? Well, several years ago, my dad and I actually wrote a book called uh, Called to Be God's Leader, Lessons from the Life of Joshua, and a subtitle, How God Prepares His Servants for Spiritual Leadership. And so, of course, we put this uh, link in the show notes, but uh, <clears throat> it was an interesting uh, book when I wrote it. And uh, and I, I do uh, insert a number of stories in here of other leaders, especially military leaders. That yeah. So if you're interested in just kind of parallels with other world leaders in Joshua, then this is a, be, you'll find this to be an interesting read. Well, good. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, as always, until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.